Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome back to the VMTV Rugby Pod. Great to be joined by Matt Williams and Alan Quinlan once again. Matt, look ahead to Saturday. What a game we have to start the autumn. Ireland v South Africa can't get much bigger, can it? It's a huge game, Stu. It's a huge game on every level. Entertainment, expectation. But also, I think it's a milestone game for Ireland on their journey to the World Cup. You know, after New Zealand, they put themselves in this incredible position where they're, I know they're ranked one in the world, but I don't take much notice of world rankings, but just on performance, Ireland are equal to France, obviously in front of New Zealand and South Africa are the other big players in that top four group, in my opinion. And I think a lot of other people around the world would, would say there's a group of four at the top that's clearly in front with England a little bit behind, probably followed by Wales and Australia, Scotland a little bit behind them, not too far. But if you if you look at the, the teams that win World Cups, these journeys don't start on the day of the tournament. They start a year or two before. And what Ireland have done so far in beating New Zealand in New Zealand has just been sensational for the game and for them as a team. But if they can do something against South Africa, it, it, it will really reinforce all that hard work and boost them and give them that, that key ingredient momentum. And, and the, the inverse... Is, is is also true. If they lose, uh, which is, is a possibility because it's an excellent South African side, uh, it can it can damage them. Doesn't mean it's over, but it can damage them on their way through. Because to, to me, the, the two big games are South Africa and France at home. Possibly England you could put into that as well before you get to the World Cup. But it, it is a massive day, exciting day at the Aviva where Ireland have a, a brilliant record and an opportunity for Ireland to really test themselves against one of the greats. Yes, uh, Alan, if we come to you, obviously Ireland winning a historic series when the summer you were there. But this is a very different test, isn't it? A big physical South African pack, but also the world champions, as I've mentioned. Yeah, it is. I think uh, they're an incredibly powerful side who on their day can can smother teams and really you know, take any sort of momentum away you're trying to build and, uh, you know, around the physical exchanges, that intensity that they bring and real aggression. So it's 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 a great test for Ireland. It's an opportunity to try and build on what happened in the summer. Uh, psychologically, um, you get a big boost, obviously, because they'll be, you know, going against each other in the World Cup next year. Um, so it's... Uh, it's a wonderful opportunity, but it's 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 tricky for Ireland. This is kind of start of year tests and it's end of year tests for, for the Southern Hemisphere. 
think we've heard a few times before when Ireland have beaten New Zealand or Australia that they've been tired and they've uh, it's been a long season for them. It probably has, but they have um, that cohesion that sometimes takes a little bit of time to to get up to speed at international level, particularly when you're starting off your season. But um, you go back the last time Ireland played South Africa in 2017, uh, they won 38-3, and uh, you know two years later, South Africa go and win a World Cup in Japan. So. They were in complete disarray. So, um, obviously, we were in a situation in 2018 when we were in you know, a great position and um, off on the back end of a, a brilliant year, and it didn't work out at the World Cup. So, I think Andy Farrell has has one eye definitely on development, uh, but it'll be interesting to see what kind of side he picks. I think they'll want to start off and go with their strongest team in this one, but it's 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 a great test and it's a great opportunity for everyone involved because... You know, not every team can bring the same power and aggression that that South Africa can. But if you if you hold on to the ball well and you get your set piece right and you at least get parity in those physical exchanges, well then you can uh, start to build a game. And and uh, but you've got to be on the money early on physically against them. Yeah, Matt. If we look at the South African team, they announced it yesterday. Up front, there's Kitchoff, Marks, and Malherb. <laughs> Couple of big boys in there, as expected. Absolutely, mate. Remember, they only play about forty-five minutes. And then, then you've got Mabongi, Nishan, and Kosh coming on. You know, so it doesn't get any easier. I mean, they're monstrous men. Um, I think Malcolm Mark's the best hooker in the world at the moment. He's not just for his scrummaging, which is outstanding, and his line-out throws, but his work uh, at the breakdown has been extraordinary there's no other word to describe it uh in the first test against new zealand and in the second test against the wallabies both of which south africa won his breakdown work was just off the planet but if if we come back to that the, them as a unit and and we probably have to include the 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 rest of them you know with esther bears diego uh, in the second row uh with with, with Mosteray coming in off the bench, they target the scrums. That's that's their absolute bread and butter. They'll go at your scrum, so they're going to target the Irish front row. They're going to take a loop out of what England did at at uh, last year's Six Nations and really go at the Irish scrum to get penalties. Not, this is a frust- thing that frustrates me about the South African side is they've got talent right through this team. They don't use it all the time. They'll scrummage for penalties, kick the touch maul and then put pressure on your line and then use their giant forwards to to go at you. They very rarely use the exceptional talent, and I use that word, exceptional talent of their backline. Their their backline talent is amazing. They just don't use it enough for me. They use it at times and it shines brilliantly, but it's the scrum and the front row that's their basis of the game. Now, a trick, or not? I don't know if it's a trick, but a tactic, the Australians used to have against the South Africans when we when they could compete with them, and they did it in the first test in Adelaide, was they would take the African scrum down exceptionally low, and that takes their power out of the game. Now, on the hard tracks of Australia and South Africa, where the forwards can get their boots right back behind them and the, the firmness of the ground holds them up, that's possible. Now, the showers forecast for the morning at the Aviva, and on a soft surface, 
it's not always possible for the forwards to get that luck. But I think that's going to be a key feature of the game. How do you, how does what tactic does Ireland have to depower or not? You're never going to depower a South African scrum, but to perhaps reduce its effectiveness by by taking them down very low. So I, I think that's going to be a, a a real a real key feature of the game. Interestingly, Stu, if we look at all the games South Africa have played since they played Wales at the beginning of the summer, three against Wales, then two against uh, Argentina, Australia, and um, uh, obviously New Zealand. The games they lost, every game they lost, they were behind at halftime. So you have to start well against them. If they start well and they get points up, they can strangle the life out of game, as Alan uh, basically said there before, through this dominant front rowers and tight five that they have. They just they just wrestle you and strangle you and it's so hard to get back into the game. If teams get in front and put scoreboard pressure on them and that has been done by nullifying their scrum or reducing it, reducing its effectiveness, they get under a bit of pressure and, and that's where the teams won. Every time they've been behind at halftime in those games, they've lost. So that's a really interesting, uh, I wouldn't say it's a statistic, I'd say it's a momentum and mental shift in the game that Ireland need to do, uh, take advantage of against the South Africans. Alan, if this Ireland team can deal with the physicality of those names, the players that Matt has mentioned, would you say the new team, you know, the team that fresh off that win in New Zealand is good enough to outplay South Africa, you know, balls in behind and use their backs? Yeah, I think you've got to be intelligent. Um, you've got to get your basics right first and foremost, and that's that's never going to change in rugby when you're you're coming up against a big side like South Africa. Um, Ireland showed in the summer how how good they are with the ball, and how you know confident and cohesive they are when they when they get their game going. I think um, their attack in New Zealand was sensational. The way they kept the ball and and stretch that New Zealand defence so many on so many occasions and the accuracy of the passing, the timing of the passing, it was very, very difficult to to defend against. Um so I think they can, of course, yeah, for sure. I think Matt Matt alluded to it. Um you start well against South Africa and you you're in with a real chance and you can start building a scoreline then possibly and you know you've got to be intelligent. So you can't switch off at any stage. Small small moments in the game you think you're in a comfortable position, like in, in the opposition 22, good attacking position, you mess up a line out and, and they'll they'll you know they'll go up the field and they'll they'll stop you at source, you know, and that's what they try and do. They try and put pressure on you everywhere. Scrum, line out, breakdown, and Malcolm Marks, as Matt said as well, you know, sensational at the breakdown. Um, there's a real good, you know, when you when you look at that forward pack on paper, it's it's incredibly powerful. Um Peter Steph de Toy is just a wonderful footballer as well. They've got Etzebet and the Jaeger in the second row, huge men, but they're good footballers as well. And if they get quick ball, they hurt opposition. So the key for Ireland is, is like I said at the start, their possession, their possession-based performance in the last 12 months has been very, very good. They've protected the ball well. They've been intelligent. And you said it, Stuart, you, know, you can't just run around South Africa all the time and think you're going to go wide wide against them you've got to kick intelligently put pressure on them and and force them to turn a little bit and, and play territory because um you know they hurt you in the opposition half and they force penalties and they 
shots of goal, they've been score. Uh, you know, they say you don't want to be given away penalties from half a half a in because they'll put those in the corner and really going to at, at your ball. But look, I think them will be able to to deal with we're, we're, Ireland are a very physical side. Just look at our front row. Um, I think the back row are very, very competitive. Um, you know, who starts in the second row? Will it be James Ryan? Uh, will he go in there with Burn? Uh, who knows? Uh, I think they've they've obviously come off the back of something that was really special. And I think that you know they they can build on that. And I think they'll want to start here. So to answer your question, of course they can take their game to 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 set up for That's what we want to do. And sometimes they've shown a little bit of um and I think what Jack Meamber and Razzy Rasmus are trying to build is a team that can go on the road and they've shown that, as Matt said, the reaction in Australia. The, the win the win in uh, Argentina as well. Very impressive. Argentina asked a lot of questions in that last test, but they had that kind of composure and rugby intelligence to get up the field and and and, and turn the screw, change gears again. So they're a very impressive side, I think. But you've got to take the game to them. If you sit back at all, um, they're going to put pressure on you and, and hurt you possibly. Matt, a battle I want to look at is at uh, fly half, you know, Damian Williamson coming in, he'll play against, you know, the master and Johnny Sexton. So it's a big afternoon for him. Huge afternoon, Stuart. I actually, uh, just so everyone knows, I had a chat with you yesterday, Stuart, about it, and I went and did a bit of research on him. And he's actually been a schoolboy 10 right through South African schools. And then when he's come to the professional ranks at the Stormers, he's been moved to 15. So it, it, it's interesting that he has a lot of experience, not at test level, but at, at other levels as a 10. And when you watch him playing um, Curry Cup for uh, Western Province, which is based in Cape Town, his footwork and ball play at 10 was an absolute revelation to me. I was watching his highlights today. He was spectacular. Now, I, I, I'm being very critical of the way South Africa play. If you think of the, the uh, Andre Pollard, brilliant kicker of the ball, uh, but not a great attacking player. And other players like Jonti's there, that they, they, they don't seem to like these players that are unpredictable. But what Willemsa brings is he takes the ball to the line, like Sexton does. He takes the ball to the line and then trusts his skills to play, go himself, use his footwork, or bring forwards into play. He's a good kicker. Uh, sadly, Stu, I've got to bring it up. You remember that kick in the semi-final last year against Ulster? He slotted one from the sideline uh, to win the game, uh, and 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 really heartbreakingly knock Ulster out of the the championship. He's also a very good kicker in general. Plays crossfield kicks. His short kicking game is very powerful. I think this is really exciting for South Africa. I think it might be a bit of a watershed moment for them because this, to me, this South African team is a Ferrari that's been driven in traffic. You know, that, that they're, not, they're not getting there. They've got this huge engine. Like, look at the talent in this back line. Now, Chislin Cole is playing fullback. We'll talk about that in a minute. Diolonde is one of the best centres in the world. Now, he's got Jesse Creel there on Saturday. But when Luke Am comes back from injury, he's not on this tour. I think Luke Am's one of the best 13s, if not the best 13 in the world. Then you've got Montpipi on another wing, and and they've got the, the, uh, uh, the backup. 
of Andres there, who who is only, I've only seen a little bit of. He played in the first test uh, against the New Zealanders, got got red carded for a very careless tackle uh, against Baden Barron, who was jumping in the air. But these guys are electric, are electric. And when South Africa decide to run, they can really hurt you. But they haven't had a ten that can ignite it. Like if they had Sexton, they they'd be a different universe. Now Billumser is an interesting character, so I think this is a really big day for him. But he's coming up against the great, isn't he? The goat, uh, and and Sexton's going to be driving that machine and putting pressure on Billumser. They'll be coming. Ireland will be coming in just as South Africa will be coming at Johnny. They'll be trying to attack his channel and get the big bodies like Steph Detroit and uh, um, you know. Esther Bez and Diego coming in to, to Sexton's channel, so he's got to make those tackles. But but I think this is a it could be a, a a watershed day for South Africa in changing the way they play to a slightly more expansive. Well, I, I suppose I'm saying that with with hope rather than certainty. But but that's what I think Willemsville brings to the game. Alan, yeah, I just want to get your uh, touch on it. Obviously, as Matt said, played a lot of schoolboy at ten, but you know more recently at fifteen, and then has come back into ten. And he's a big boy, he does take it to the gain line, but your thoughts, you know, how big, you know, could he be overawed by the situation or do you feel like he's a guy with a lot of talent, a lot of confidence, he'll just go out there and play ball? Yeah, I think Willems has improved his game a lot and they've obviously tried to get some more depth in that 10 position. I think it's it's a risk again with the, you know, the the 6-2 split if Willems had picked up an injury earlier on and Matt said it. I was, I was looking through the back line thinking who would go in 10 and... and you know, Colby is the obvious choice that would go in there. Vili LaRue may be another option, but it could really unsettle them. But they take this risk with the you know, with the with the way they split their their bench. But uh I, I think Willems has become he's got a bit more of an attitude about him. He's become more aggressive. Um and as Matt said, taking the ball to the line. I think he's you know, you think you're now in the Northern Hemisphere. You're, you know, possibly wet conditions on Saturday. You know, territory is going to be important. You're, you're coming up against um, a really good side. Um, you know, you've got to, as a 10, you've got to play in the right areas as well. And if you force it a little bit too much, but he's a very physical player and he's very athletic, so a powerful player as well. So no issues whatsoever with his running game or his ability to play off the cuff. But I just think structurally, um, you know, getting that kicking right and getting that accuracy there. You know, we've seen Pollard be so effective for, for South Africa for a number of years now. And um, this guy gives him a little bit more of a spark. And I think you think when Aaron's and Colby, if you get quality ball to them and Mapimpi, they can really hurt you a lot. But they won't they won't move away from, uh, you know, kicking and putting pressure on the opposition as well. I think they still slow the ball down a lot and... Their, their kick chase is very powerful and very aggressive in Mapimpi and Aaron's is, is, is a re- really good in that part of the game as well. But he's a little bit like Colby. He's a stepper. So if you switch off and if there's any loose kicks from Ireland, they've got to be really, really careful and get their their, their line intact when they, you know, when they, when they chase upfield because um, Colby or Aaron's will really look for an, op- an opportunity to, to try and find a, a little hole or a little gap in your defence. But um, he's a really good player, Willems, yeah. He's probably still inexperienced at test level playing as a 10. Uh, but Ireland have got to put pressure on him at the weekend and be in his face because if you give him time and 
you give him opportunities, um, he's I think he's improved a lot. And he's someone I saw over the summer and in the rugby championship, just even when he comes on at full back, I just think he looks more confident. He looks more like um, he's been given a license to express himself. So they're putting him right at, right at the front line now, taking on the ball and, and having um, seen if he can make those decisions and, and offer something different to him. Yeah, he certainly is a skillful player. We'll see how he gets on. Matt Allen touched on another player there, Cheson Kobe. He starts a fullback. No words to describe how good he is with front football, but a few Gary Owens early on from Sexton just to test him, would you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think uh, th- there's no doubting his exceptional speed and footwork. One of the greats of, the wo- of world rugby with footwork can make people look so silly by his, his brilliance with his feet. Um, and he's, he's surprised because he's a very, very uh, short man, uh, but surprisingly he's effective under a high ball. But Obviously, the old story, a good big guy beats a good little guy every day. And on a jumping contest, he's going to, he's going to come second. So we don't know who Ireland are going to pick on their wing, but we know they've got Gary Ringrays coming through at outside centre. We, we, we suspect that. And Gary is, is quite uh, excellent in the contesting, remembering that when you're chasing a kick, you don't have to catch it. You just have to stick your arm up and deflect it back. So where a catcher has to take it on his chest with his hands here, that the the, the uh, chasing the kicking team try to come through, stick their hand up and and knock it backwards. So I'm, I'm certain there'll be some of that, but I think the other you know the risk and reward. If you don't get your chase right, if the ball deflects and Colby gets a little bit of space and he gets his uh, other wingers around him. Uh, because the South Africans do work well off their off their wing, off their blind wing, and they get two of them together and, and three together with a pass and some footwork, they'll really hurt you. They, they're, they're absolutely exceptional. And that's what makes them, again, frustrating. They've got this brilliant talent. We just don't see it often enough. But Colby brings a real X factor to South Africa, uh, to the whole team, because they believe in him and he believes in them. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, Alan, these two sides obviously played, what, five years ago in the Aviva, Ireland dominating that day. And plenty of players played that are playing, you know, on Saturday that were involved in that match. And from a South African point of view, be a bit of hurt still there, even though it was a long time ago. They'll want to get one back in Ireland, won't they? They will, yeah, um, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, South Africa were were absolutely lambasted everywhere, uh, particularly back in South Africa. Alistair uh, Kutsia was the coach. Um, it led to his downfall. I think they were on, you know, Ireland were in South Africa the previous summer and, and you know, won, won for the first time uh, in in on South African soil with you know beating winning that first test and they lost the other two tests very narrowly so I think Ireland were in a very strong position and uh, they proved it and South Africa were under a lot of pressure a lot of change a lot of questions about the coaches and obviously Rassi Rasmus Jack Nienenbar left Munster and went back and and it all changed for them and they turned them right around rightly around and started to you know, get the best out of that South African team. But, you know, you just look at the centres, Jesse Creel and Damien Dialenda. They both played that day um, five years ago. And it was a horrendous day for South African rugby. A great day for Irish rugby, but um, nobody expected that scoreline before the game. Uh, Peter Steph de Toy was there, Khaleesi, Dieger, Etzebeth and Malcolm Mark. So five of the forwards played that day. They won't forget that. I can assure you they'll be talking about that this week. So I think it adds an extra little bit of bit of spice. Um, obviously, the South Africans, and, and it was funny probably on, okay, on occasions um, after they won the World Cup and in some of the videos they did and the documentaries they made, um, they showed a lot of the, the Ireland stuff and the comments that were made after the game and the media reaction back home in South Africa as well. Um, it was an incredible turnaround. So um, I just look at Dialenda, Damien Dialenda and and Robbie Henshaw. Um, they've played against each other a number of times. Um, obviously, Robbie Henshaw has been on a, a, a probably a more dominant side with Leinster. And Dialenda has probably not had the same quality ball, but he's an outstanding player. And I think um, that's a real kind of mouth-watering clash because I, if, it was, if I was Damien Dialenda, I'd be thinking Robbie Henshaw is... You know, he's been the one that's been on the front foot against me a lot in the last couple of years when I played provincially against him. Um, and, you know, he was one of the ones that started in that game a number of years ago. So I think they'll, they'll have obvious motivation to win a test match and really lay down a marker here against uh, Ireland, who are ranked number one. They've been very um, complimentary in their comments this week. Uh, but behind the scenes, they're going to be gunning for this. And I think... Um, in complete contrast to where they were a number of years ago, um, it was two years out from the World Cup then. It's one year out now. I think they really want to lay down a marker and and uh, remind people of their strength, their power and their ability to uh, to win big test matches. And uh, this is, it's just, it's a mouth-watering clash in so many fronts. And I think when I think about Ireland, I think, you know, if I was a player, how am I coping with this? Well, you know, it's not as if they're like 20 kilos heavier than every man 
every Irish player because we still, you know, and I say it about our front row, our front row, our two props are, from a physical point of view, they're world-class. They're, they're right up there. Uh, Dan Sheehan is immense. He's, um, he's a Malcolm, a quicker version of Malcolm Marks, Matt, I would say. He's an incredible athlete. And he's just someone who, who just pops up time after time after time making these carries. Um, so there's a fair bit of firepower in the Irish side. But from a playing point of view, I think you're very alert. And Matt knows this from a coach as well. If for any second you kind of relax here and think you can go in at 60, 70% into the collision while well, you'll come out second best, you've got to be kind of fired up here. And, and, and that's the key, getting that emotional kind of fire right for Ireland at the weekend. And then um, they can play rugby. And I think technically Ireland, I would argue, are, are technically a better side. But South Africa have shown that strength and power and that, that real direct approach can really smother teams. And then... You know, I think Johnny Sexton said it this week, and and sometimes we're we, we it sounds a little bit disrespectful, but it's the way South Africa play. They do enough to keep it simple and and smother teams and really dominate with their forward pack. But when they need to to move the ball, um, they have some game breakers as well. So it's uh, it's one to really look forward to at the weekend, Matt. Just coming back to you, what is a success for Ireland in this? You know, are they, is it simple as three wins in the autumn or is it two wins and a really good performance against South Africa? It's, it's a great, <clears throat> great question, Stuart. Fantastic performance, obviously three wins. Let, let's, let's take it the other way around. They, they're going to beat Fuji. If they lost to Australia, I think that would be regarded as a very bad loss. Wallabies are not the team they were. Um, the Wallabies are trying their heart out. I, I really admire what they're doing. They just don't have the talent at 10, 12 and 13 and a few other key positions. Got a few young players, very good young players coming through, especially up front. Uh, great, a couple of great young second rowers uh, been getting their chance uh, recently. Uh, Nick Frost in particular from the Brums, a guy I've, I've had a lot to do with. Uh, uh, Ned Hannigan coming back after a stint in uh, Japan. They're, they're, they're trying, but they just don't have the talent. Ireland should beat them. So uh, if they lose to South Africa and they win the other two, that's that's right on the bottom line. There's, I think the new world, world order that we have to accept is there's not a lot between the top five or six teams. For example, South Africa have lost to New Zealand and lost to Australia and lost to Wales in the last six months. Now, Ireland have beaten Wales, they've beaten New Zealand, and they've got Australia coming up and they should beat them. So there's no reason why they can't beat South Africa. So I think we have to say, if you lose to South Africa, but it's a great game and you have a great performance, okay, that's disappointing, but that's acceptable. But for South Africa to come out and dominate you, that would be uh, very disappointing. And, and it'd be a setback. Not, not terminal for the six, for the uh, World Cup because you've got England and France coming up. But as I said, as you move along towards a World Cup, when you look back on the history of the teams that have won it, there's been milestone games that they've won. And I think this, to me, this is a milestone game for Ireland, that, that if they can win, and I believe they can, I think it will really move them forward. So, so I, I, there's a little bit of nuance in the numbers there, Stu. 
Uh, one loss and two wins, yes, but it's the performance against South Africa that will determine. And look, the way Ireland play, South Africa don't like that. And they've, Australia have proved that and New Zealand have proved that. If you can get multiple passes in before that rushing defence. Now, remember, the South African offensive line compresses. They, they'll give you 30 metres on the outside and say, give it your best. Get it there. Kick there or pass there. But they come up so fast, they're just as likely to intercept it or put you under pressure and make an error while you're trying to get there. So it, it's 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 a difficult defence. But if you can get passes in, especially off your forwards, there are gaps everywhere because they're coming up so fast. So And Ireland play that very, very well. So, uh, you know, I, I'd like to think we get 3-0. Um, but but two two one would be acceptable as long as it's a great win, a great performance. Sorry. And Alan, what do you think? You know, what scoreline are you predicting? And also, twelve months out, you know, they, these two play each other in a World Cup. Does that obviously add something? That must be in the back of Andy Farrell's mind at some stage. It does, but I think there's um, you know we've probably been results driven and driven in the media and as ex players or pundits or whatever you call us. Um, and there is, look, international rugby drives the finances uh, for Ireland and the IRFU. So it is about winning matches and and and, um, and getting results. Uh, probably more so for Six Nations. Always in November, there's not as much pressure. And so, you know, what's a, what's an acceptable return? I think it's it's a hard one. I think you where Ireland are coming from, there's part of me thinks we don't need to be... There's going to be a few kind of bumps along the road here between now and the World Cup. And 2018 and 19 showed us that we thought we were really good and set and locked and loaded. And what a year it was, 2018. You know, winning a Grand Slam in Twickenham, winning a series in Australia, beating New Zealand in Dublin. It doesn't get much better, really, bar outside of World Cup, it doesn't get much better. So it was a phenomenal year. And I think. Um, you know, we just got probably blindsided a little bit. Um, I wouldn't say people got carried away, but I think we were probably needed to develop more different ways of playing and, you know, develop a little bit of uh, how, how do we play against this power? How, how do we play against an England side who are going to smash into you, really kind of uh, smother you? which they did in that first Six Nations game in 2018. And I think they rocked the foundations a little bit and and, and little vulnerabilities started to appear. So if we don't beat South Africa on Saturday, I'm not kind of going, oh, we're, we're bunched now, we're on the decline because there's probably going to be a game or two between now and next year that things aren't going to go well. And um it doesn't have to happen. You don't have to have a bad run to, to kind of be ready for the World Cup because I think the last time it built, it's just how we react if things when things go wrong. And, and, and like, I go back to being in New Zealand, being up close and personal to watching the body language, the attitude, and just a calmness regarding the challenge ahead. And look, we all know and deep down that that wasn't, you know, New Zealand uh, have have had some issues and it's there's been stronger teams before in New Zealand, but it was sensational. So I think this is a real test for them and it's a test that you have a real power-based team coming to Dublin here that are going to be right in your face. Uh, Matt said it at the start, they're bringing on, you know, Ambanambi and 
Oxen Shea and, and Vincent Cock as well. Like that's incredible power coming off the bench. We don't have Ronan Kelleher. I love the Kelleher as a player. You know, would Kelleher start at hooker and Sheehan coming off the bench? I think our those two hookers are world class in the power, the carries, the the their abilities. So, you know, Rob Herring obviously has done a great job and he did in New Zealand, but we don't have the same impact off the bench um that they have up front. And the whole idea of the A game on, on Friday and the Merging Ireland Tour is to try and develop players. I want to see Joe McCarthy coming through in the next little period. He's going to be involved on Friday. I want to, you know, and that's what Andy Farrell wants. He wants to develop and bring some guys through, put him in at the cold face. So we don't have an Irish team yet, but you'd imagine it's going to be, you know, as strong as possible. And, and, um, so I think it's a great opportunity to, to see how we deal with that power game. And, uh, but, you know, is it all about results? Well, of course you want to win three from three, but um, we just have to make sure that we don't... Um, we're going to have moments in all these games that it's going to be... We're going to be stressed a little bit. And um, I think it's about development. And if they come out the back end of this with, with, with you know, building on, on, um, on the attack, um, getting more robust with their set piece... Um, I think it'll be a really positive one. Obviously, you want three from three, but I'm kind of like Matt. You know, if you win two out of the three, it's not a bad return because there's no no gimme on Saturday. This this one, I think, obviously Fiji and Australia are, are two that you think Ireland will win. You just don't know what's going to turn up with Fiji, and they can cause anybody problems. But Saturday is the real asset test, and um, if they get through Saturday, well then. They're in a much stronger position. If they lose Saturday, it just makes it a bit more difficult for the rest of the series. Yeah, well, let's hope it's three from three. Of course, it's going to be difficult, but we shall see how they get on. I'll touch just on the A game on Friday night. As you mentioned, for development, it's great to have it back and it should be interesting against this New Zealand sort of select side. Yeah, um, it's a great opportunity. And I think um, what's really interesting is the Irish coaches are have uh you know they've been double jobbing this week because they've been running two teams um you know matt matt williams was my old a coach back in the day and and it was always kind of separate the national coaches and the a coaches completely separate which is this is kind of a, a once-off unique thing before and a little bit surprised um but i think it's great that the a guys have the irish national coaches running their their team for the week as well it adds a lot to their workload, and Matt knows that as a coach. You're trying to run two different teams. Um, but to have Paul O'Connell, Andy Farrell, Simon Easterby, um, these guys, um, Mike Cat, all week um, in that dressing room Friday night preparing them. And they had him on tour, obviously, in New Zealand uh, for the Maori games. The first Maori game was, you know, a bit of, I think they were a bit shell-shocked. They didn't get themselves going. Uh, the second game was 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 a great game in Wellington, the week of the third test. And I think you could see that bit of bond and togetherness. And the whole idea was to try and build on this and, and get that depth for the World Cup next year. Um, someone like Ryan Baird, you know, Gavin Coombs, um, Joe McCarthy, these guys, Jeremy Lockman, I think he's shown a, a possibility of, of getting in the mix there. And he's shown some some real improvements. Uh, working with the national coaches as well. Uh, Tom O'Toole, you know, Keen Prendergast, big athletic guy. Um, 
So they'll be really hoping for a performance Friday night. I think you're going to get um, uh, a lot of X-Factor players in that New Zealand side, a lot of really good players. Um, and, you know, they'll be pretty determined. But you think there's a it's a win-win situation. Nick Timoney, um, you know, what he, what he can do as well. Jack Crowley. You know, we've been talking about this out half spot for a number of years. So there's there's loads of guys you could name there. Marty Moore had a great game for, for Munster last week. So um, I think this is a great opportunity. Obviously, they want to try and get a performance and get a win. And um, hopefully it kicks off the weekend really positively for them. But, you know, Munster are probably the team that were hit hardest with the Emerging Ireland Tour. But I think that was a really beneficial situation for Ireland. and. Um, We've always said, we probably said after the last World Cup, what can we do a little bit different? What do we need to look at? Do we need to look at the overseas players and start selecting them? Do we? Um, and I think this is new stuff, and it's stuff that hopefully next year we'll be looking back saying it was really beneficial to 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 this Irish side. And who knows, they may get more games in the new year. There might be more fixtures, um, but it's hard to juggle it all. But I think. Um, this unique situation, it could be very, very beneficial for the players and the team. Matt, just quickly, your take as a former Ireland A coach? Well, it's interesting, Stu, if you, if you look around the world, Australia have just played A games against Japan. Uh, South Africa are playing, obviously, against Munster and uh, Bath. Uh, sorry, uh, Bristol. And New Zealand and Ireland have obviously engaged in huge uh, this, these last two series. Look, it, it, it's stating the obvious, but the international game is just different to club and it takes players time to adjust. The problem with scrapping the A games as they did probably a decade ago was that players came into international rugby under huge pressure and the coaches were reluctant to give them opportunities and if they failed, they were kicked out. What the A games do is they give staff and players opportunity to learn to know each other, work in a different environment, and it's a safety net. As, as Quinny said, the first test in New Zealand, the A guys didn't perform. It was a different environment. They were caught out. The next week, okay, we figure out what this is. They do perform. That is a great example of what the A games do. It puts a safety net under developing player performance. And I, 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 A, I don't think they should ever have got rid of it. And B, if you look back on the development of players who have come through A systems, including Alan and so many other guys that came through those systems as a support for the national side. I, I just think it's a, a, an absolute must in any national program. Yeah, of course, we'll see some development on Friday and let's hope these guys go on and represent the full Ireland team in the years to come or even, even in the Six Nations. But Matt, I think it's only fair, me and Alan have discussed this, a couple other nations are playing, home nations are playing this weekend, Scotland v Fiji. I want to get your take on the whole Finn Russell, Gregor Townsend situation. And he's obviously not involved. Stu, what uh, my um, sources have said to me is that the team were fed up with two sets of rules. Rules for some of the senior guys uh, who, you know, were, were breaking those rules, going out drinking, thinking they'll be on it, and the rest of them. And I, I think a line was drawn in the sand by Gregor, and he has said to Finn Russell, uh, sorry, mate, you're out. And I, I can see the logic in that, and I can see where he's, where he's drawn that line and why he's done it. And I think the other part of that is 
you saw the team respond on Saturday. Kingon had a great game up until the last kick, the very last kick where he could have won the game. But I, I think there's a bigger picture here rather than just one game. And this is, you know, everyone's allowed to make a mistake and everyone gets a second chance in my book. But, you know, Finn has been given multiple chances. And the team, and when it starts coming from within your side saying, listen, doesn't matter how good this guy is, he, he's not respecting the rest of us, the rest of the team. He's not respecting us. I think if that's being said, and I'm, I haven't heard that, no one said that to my face, it's only what I've heard. I don't think the coach has any option there. And that mightn't be permanent, but it might be just saying for the November, if you want to come back in, you've got to stick by what everyone else says. There's not two rules in the group. And uh, I, I think that is that is absolutely the right thing. I, I thought the Scotland team played really well on Saturday. I thought it was a really good game. They tackled their heart out. They were brilliant at the breakdown. Australia were the better team. I think the better team did win. But Scotland could have won that game, obviously, in the last moments of the game because of their work at the breakdown. And I think uh, Kinghorn had a very good game, so he backed up his coach's decision. Yeah, he did have a good game, Alan, but for the game of rugby, you want Finn, players like him at the highest level, back involved for the Six Nations, don't you? Yeah, well, I'm mixed on it. <laughs> I think if um, he's a very talented player and he's he's a bit of a free spirit, but he's got to adhere to the rules and regulations of of um of the squad and the players set set those standards themselves so um uh, you know he hasn't closed the door completely on gregor townsend or uh, gregor townsend hasn't completely co- closed the door on him and um but it would frustrate me if people are doing one thing and others are doing something different particularly the off-field stuff like that i'd probably be getting wraps in the knuckles from my own on-field dis- discipline of giving away penalties or things like that but the off-field stuff is really important. If there is a ban and, and you know, curfews put on, people have a, got to adhere to him. Um, but it's it's uh, it's a pity because he's such a great player and he can do brilliant things. And hopefully we can see him back in the group. It's up to the player himself now, I think, um, to get back in. But, you know, Scotland are, um, uh, as Matt said, Kinghorn played really well at the weekend and he's a really good option for him. And um, you've got to go with guys who are, who are kind of adhering to to the discipline and what the the squads set out their own standards themselves. Well, we'll see how it all pans out, lads. As always, thanks for joining us. Canada rugby all starts on Friday night. Ireland A take on that New Zealand fifteen select team on Virgin Media Two at seven. Hope you can join us. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 